morning's scripture reading will be 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 20. <laughs> follow along with the Bibles on page 1028. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses on them, and have, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Good morning. So glad that you're here today and so glad people are uh, watching with us on the live stream. I know there's a lot of people with the flu. If you have the flu and you're watching with us on the live stream, thank you for doing that morning. That this morning. If you're here this morning, you think you have the flu. There's a thing called live stream. And you can worship from home. <laughs> you, know, you can give a lot of things and we're supposed to be givers as Christians. The flu is not one of them. Just know that that opportunity is there. We are thankful today to be here. And to have this opportunity to worship. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. God, you are amazing. You are awesome. We pray that we will be workers. We will be soldiers. That we will be harvesters out there working for you and serving your kingdom. Lord, help us this morning when we see your word and see something we should do. Give us the strength and courage to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite places on earth is West Kentucky Youth Camp. I know this congregation's invested in that camp, and uh, I've been a part of that camp since 1994. I started as an intern in college going for a special week called Teen Week. Teenage only week, 13 to 18, and we first started to start on a Sunday and go through the next Saturday morning. Uh, this past year, they had between 150 and 165 teenagers from about six different states. It's really different than many camps I've ever been to in that Kids come from everywhere, and it's a really, really neat place to come. And it's really cool what happens there when you see the spiritual growth that takes place there. When you see uh, the friendships form there, and, and you see those who, who get charged up to come out and make big changes in their life through that week. For years, we'd go through that week, and Friday night, for a lot of people, was really sad. Because they knew they had to go home the next day. And the next morning... Pardon me, was a night, as a morning filled with snot and tears, ugly kid cry because they didn't want to go back home. And some of them, you could understand why. It's amazing during that week, you'd find out some of the conditions kids lived in, some of the uh, non-spiritual homes they came from. But there were others who just felt that while they were there, that they were so much closer to God and they never, ever wanted to leave. And we had some, some people on staff who would speak on Saturday night and Sunday morning, and they would basically say that. We just wish we could stay here all week long. Can I tell you, I don't wish I could stay at camp all year long. You know, sleeping on a uh, waterproof mattress, if you can call it a mattress, for a week's about all I can take. That's all the fun I can stand. I'm thankful to have all my meals prepared, and I'm thankful that, to go there, but, but I, I like being there, but it's important that we go home. And, and, and one year, I, I got to speak last, 
And I just asked, I said, what if we were to stay here? What if we truly were to lock the gate and we just stayed here, 150 of y'all, about 50 of us adults, and we just stayed here the rest of our lives? What would our lives be like then? And you saw kids going, it'd be awesome. We'd get to do this and do this and do this and do this. And I asked the question, how many people out there would go to hell because God's people stayed here? How many lives would not be impacted because of the 150 people here who are fired up for Christ chose to stay here instead of leave and make a difference in this world? See, if, if we stayed there, the lives that were changed that week would never make an impact on the lives around us. And it's important that we, as God's people, make an impact on the lives around us. It's important that we leave this church building to do the same thing. Now, there are some congregations that don't want to, they, they want, there are some religious groups that do what? They sort of negate the importance of come together to worship. They say, all I need is to go out and do good things. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches God's people are worshipers. And we do come together to worship. But when we leave here, we should leave to make a difference in this world. And if this is the most religious, if you will, we are this week, then that's a problem. We are called to make a difference. Last week, we talked about his God's plan, that through his divine plan, he chose to make a difference in this world through people. And not just through people, through his people, through Christians, through his church. He came and he lived here about 33 years, took about three years, and what did he do? He mentored a group of people. When he left, he said, okay, I, I'm giving this to you, and, and I'm the head of the church, but you're going to go through and make a difference in this world. That is God's plan. It is God's plan still today that his church is the one who makes a difference in this world. Last week, we, we ended with this. Christ's church, the kingdom exists to show people who God is so they may know him and experience relationship with him and be saved. That is our job. I asked the question, what changes would you like to see in the world and realize it starts with you? And we as Christians are people, let's define Christians, people who through faith have been baptized for remission of their sins. That's it. Through faith in Jesus, we see that. We're, we're told in Acts chapter 2 to do what? And they said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What happens? The Lord added those to the church in verse 47, and the people started doing what? They started worshiping, and they started coming together, and they started learning about one another, sharing with one another. It was amazing what was going on. But it's amazing, even though there were 3,000 there that were baptized that day, and a few days later, a short time later, we read in the book of Acts that there were about 5,000 men who were Christians, so you start multiplying that out. The church had grown substantially, but for God's divine purpose, what did he do? He didn't let the church just stay in Jerusalem. Persecution came, and what happened? God knew that the way to save the world was not for one city to have one really big church. It was to send people throughout the world, and that is what he did. Through that persecution... Christians scattered all over the world, and because of that, God's word was spread. Why? Because they took the gospel away from Jerusalem and took it to wherever they were. And because of them, Christians became everywhere throughout the world. They began teaching. Why? Because a Christian is to do what? According to Galatians 3. So, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
I like the way the NIV says it. I know the ESV and others said have put on Christ, but realize it's put on clothing. That is now what you wear. You have put on Christ, and so that means Christ goes with you everywhere. It's not like a jacket you put on or take off. It is a permanent clothing, something that God has put on you. And as we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're in Christ, you are a what? A new creation. When you come out of the water, you, you are a new creation. You are to be what? You are already creating the image of Christ, and now you are wearing Christ. He says this, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are reconciled, we're to do what? Take that message to others. We're to go to others and say, hey, you can be reconciled with Christ. You can be in relationship with him. We have that great message. He's not finished yet. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be those who knew no sin. To be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see that? We are ambassadors. We are representatives. We are the ones that God has sent out on Jesus' behalf so that when people see us, they see his son so that they will be reconciled to him. No pressure, right? But that's what God has done. God has said, you are to be Jesus here on earth, his representative, that is who you are to be, making a difference, a huge difference in this world by letting people know the message of reconciliation. In other words, that their sins can be taken away. They can be in a relationship with God. And God's appeal is made through us. Again, our job as a church, our job is the, the kingdom of God on earth, it, it, it exists to do what? To show people who God is so they may, be, may experience relationship with him and be saved. Last week you heard me say this over and over again, and I got a little practical at the end. This morning I want to get a lot more practical with the same thing. I want us to think about how in the world can we do that? How can we show this world and be ambassadors for Christ? What is a good mental picture we can have of what we are supposed to be as we go out and be ambassadors of Christ, letting people know this message of reconciliation. Realizing what? That, as it been said, Christ has no body but ours. That's the church. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. You are the eyes through when Christ looks with compassion into the world. You are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. You are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. He is working through us. In the first century, Christ went around and did what? Saw somebody sick, he could just heal them. It was incredible. He had that power. He could raise somebody from the dead. He saw hungry people. He could take, take a boy's sack lunch, if you will, and create a, a lunch to feed thousands of people. How does he do that today? Through his people. Can we go up and heal someone? No, but we can offer compassion. We can offer kindness. 
We can offer financial help. Can, can, can we take one person's lunch and feed thousands of people? No. But we can help make sure thousands are fed. By doing what? Making sure one is fed. This congregation is Christ representative in this community. We want people, when they see this building, when they see that, that it is representative of the people inside, representative of Christ, that we are people who love Christ and want to reach out and make a difference and, and show his love and show that, that they can be reconciled to him and, and know that people who love Christ are here. And that means we are to be on a mission. We are to be on a mission to, to help people to know who God is and experience his love. There was a 15th century mystic. I wonder if when he wrote this, he thought one day it'll be on Facebook. I find that interesting. His name was Rumi, and it said, Be a lamp, a lifeboat, a ladder. Help someone's soul to heal, walk out of your house like a shepherd. I'm like, wow, if that isn't in the Bible, it could be. Because those principles all are. I think about that when, when I think about, okay, what is my job as a Christian? I go, wow, that's really four, but I'm going to focus on the first, first three. Be a lamp. It's amazing how much the world needs light. This is something we can think of. This week I need to be light to the world. And we see that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we go, of course you are. You are the Son of God. You are the light of the world. We see that. We think of Jesus coming, doing all this good. But what did Jesus say to the people listening to him in Matthew chapter 5? He said, you are the light of the world. Can I tell you, the people who heard that that day would be like, no, not us. See, the light of the world was reserved for a couple of different things then. People believed Jerusalem was the light of the world. People would call very respected rabbis the light of the world. That was sort of a very high uh, term for them. So for Jesus to say that by himself, they go, well, he's a rabbi. Okay. It was also said the temple in Jerusalem. It is the light of the world. And Jesus goes, no, not, not the city, not me, not a temple, you. My covenant people, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called to be light. A city set on a hill. That, that term there means it was purposely put there. It was put there to be a light. Do you realize wherever you are, God can use you? If you're a teacher in a school, guess what? God expects you to be his light in that school. Wherever, Whatever business you work in, wherever you go, God expects you to be his light there so that what? As you do good, people can go, wow, God is good. Being light is not easy. Being light really many times is going against culture. It's going completely against what God would people would expect. Uh, the, Paul says this, uh, there are people who walk in darkness. Know that this world is dark, but we are to do what? Walk as children of light. That is what we are called to do. 
and it's not easy. In 1996, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, there was going to be a, a KKK Ku Klux Klan rally. And they were going to march through the town, and, and guess what? A group of people showed up to protest them walking through town. This happens quite a bit. You, you'll see different places where this happens, where there will be a, 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 a KKK rally of sorts. And there will always be people who show up to protest this. Well, is, is, during this protest, uh, there's a man named Albert McKeel, Jr., who walks up in the middle of the protesters with his rebel flag on, with tattoos that are, um, basically, he should have been marching. He was there to support the KKK, but found himself in the middle of the protesters. This peaceful protest didn't stay peaceful. They began to chase him down. And they took their, their signs and began to hit him. And they are going on, and they are beating him with their signs. But there's one person who's about to make a huge difference. You see uh, the lady there with the USA sweatshirt on. Some of y'all in the back can't see that, but I promise you, you'll, you'll see that in just a second. Her name's Keisha Thomas, and she threw herself on top of Albert McKeel Jr., or Sr. Threw herself on top of him, getting people to stop throw, uh, hitting him with sticks. He's black. He's, he's not only white, he's a part of the KKK. He's part of that group. He chose not to march. And what does she do? She throws herself on top to stop this. This is, this is her quote. She says, someone had to step out of the pack and say, this isn't right. I knew what it was like to be hurt. Many times, the many times that happened, I wish someone would have stood up for me. Violence is violence. Nobody deserves to be hurt, especially not for an idea. She's 18 years old. One of the reporters and the person who took this picture, Mark Bruner says she put herself at physical risk to protect someone who, in my opinion, would have not done the same thing for her. Who does that in this world? Who does that? said that some in Ann Arbor have been grumbling that she should have left the man to his own fate only speaks of how far... They have drifted from their own humanity and of the crying need to get back to it. He said, this was a, a thing of darkness and, and there was a need for light. And, and he said, who does this? Her choice was to affirm what they have lost. Keisha's choice was human. It was hope. And can I tell you, it was light. Keisha went on to be a nurse. And this is a picture of her as, as she's working. And, and there's some really neat follow-up articles to this. And what happened is Mr. McKeel never thanked her, ever. But her son did. And through time, his children became friends with her. I'm sure that made him really happy, right? I thought this was interesting. She said, when I heard that, I thought that the future... Uh, thought this was the, was the future and the past of what this piece has created, Thomas said. The real accomplishment of all this to me is to know that his son and daughter don't share the same views. History did not repeat itself. That's what gives me hope that the world can get better from generation to generation. 
She said, what? Her light made a difference in this man's life, not through him, but through his children. She chose to be light amidst darkness. And the thing is, we have been called to do the same thing. This world is dark. You may not recognize these two cities on the map, but I'll tell you, one of them's the state of Virginia, one of them's New York. They've both been in the news over the past two weeks. We have a Sanctity of Life Day here, and we celebrate the Sanctity of Life. And that week, one bill is signed in that basically allows full-term abortions or right at it. And another state is proposing to do the same thing. And what does that tell us? I can tell you, we can go on about how horrible it is, and it is. It is atrocious. It is ridiculous that people think it's okay to take a life. We showed a picture of a beautiful little baby, Corley, just a few minutes ago to think that it would be okay for some, a minute before that child was born, for that child to be, their life to be taken. It's just unimaginable. And don't, uh, people are going to try to spin the law. I, I went through and read it, and it said, in in case of the, the, the if the fetus is non-viable, that's one, can't live outside of the womb. Two, if the mom's uh, health is in danger, but you need to see the second part, physical health or mental health. I like to see how they measure the mental health part of that. And where Virginia has already had this law in place, I, I don't know if we know that or not, but it, it had to take her doctor and three other doctors had to agree for it to take place, and that rarely happened. What she wanted to say was, as long as her and her doctor think it's okay, it's good. See, I saw this. It made me sick. It made me sad. What it, what it also made me, made me very determined to realize this world needs our light. It needs the light of God to make a difference. Listen, the world is filled with sin and injustice and poverty, and there are people hurting. There are people who are ignorant of God's Word. There are people who are lost, and they need us to be light. God has called us to be as ambassadors to be light, and we need to leave here today being light to this world. Amen? That is who we need to be. Second, and we need to let that shine. Secondly, we need to be a lifeboat. There are people who are lost. This morning, I, I, I open up God's Word, and you can look in John one twenty nine, Luke nineteen ten, Luke John one twenty nine says, "Behold, the the Lamb of God came to do what? Uh, take away the sins of the world. Came to save the world." Luke nineteen ten, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Mark one fifteen, and saying, "The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel." That is the message of the King. That is why He came to save people. And we see this. I've got some good news and some bad news this morning. The bad news is this: Hell is a real place, and people are going there. People who do not know God. People who have not put him on in baptism, people who are rebellious to him, people who have not chosen him will be lost, and we need to know that. We need to know that because it could be, it should be a great motivator for us. People need to know that they are lost. That is some really bad news. Can I tell you? I've got some great news too. Hell is real. The great news is you don't have to go there. Nobody has to go there. Everyone can come to Christ, and guess what? We have that message. We've been called to be ambassadors and be a lifeboat to those who desperately need it. These are pictures from Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Can you imagine? I know uh, when Nashville flooded a few years ago, uh, there were people who went through a lot, and they saw their homes go underwater. They saw a lot of things happen. I just remember seeing so much. It was on TV. The, the one that uh, Katrina was covered so much. 
People would be on the roofs of the cell, their house, save us, the water is rising. Please, and, and realize they're, they're needing someone to come by on a what? Lifeboat, on a helicopter. And if they don't, the water will get up high enough that they will lose their lives. There were people living and staying in their attics just hoping the water didn't get that high during that time. Can I tell you, there are people in the world now who do want to be saved. They just need someone to tell them how. They need someone that, that cares enough about them to show them Jesus by being light. And by being light, it will give you opportunity to be a light foot. That's what opens the door sometimes is through being light, you get an opportunity to share with someone else. Can you imagine how happy you'd be if you needed a lifeboat to come by and it showed up and how you would want to get in there and be and go away to safety? And we want to do that. See, the, the Coast Guard, that is who they are. You know, they, it is amazing what they do. I love their motto. It is that others may live. That's their motto. Why, why, do, why will they jump out of a helicopter into freezing water in, you know, in, in you know, 20-degree waves so that somebody else may live? They'll put their life on the line day in and day out. Why? Because people need a lifeboat. People need to be saved. What if we left here today saying, all right, today I've got to be light. I'm called to be light, I want to be light, and you know what, I want to be a lifeboat. I want to help people to know who Jesus is, be him, his ambassadors, and be willing to share his message with them. What difference would it make? I think it would make an incredible difference. And finally, be a ladder. I want to give you three things you could keep in mind. Uh, a light, we can think about that. God's called us to be light, uh, a lifeboat, a saving, but a ladder is something that does what? It helps lift people up. Think about it as being an encourager. How do we lift people up? We're told to do that. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each, each other up just in fact as you are doing. Isn't it amazing that he says, hey, you're already doing this, but don't stop. In other words, you can't encourage too much. You be that to people. That is who you are called to be. Be an encourager. It's amazing how many people believe their spiritual gift is criticism. I've got a whole lesson on that. Uh, we'll come back to that at a later date. We're told to encourage one another. Just as you're doing, we're never told to criticize. We don't see that part of it. It's important. I find it amazing that you look at the Apostle Peter, how he failed. How he denied Christ, and what did Jesus do? He encouraged him. He, he continued on. That's who Jesus wanted to see him. Peter jumps out of the boat and goes and has the breakfast with him, tells him to feed his sheep. He gets encouragement to do that. The disciples, when, when Jesus is about to go back to heaven, he's telling them he's about to go back in John chapter 13 and John chapter 14, that beautiful verse where it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. Do what he's saying. Do what I want to encourage you in this. The adulterous woman in, in John chapter 8, what does Jesus do? Encourage her to go and sin no more. Encouragement is who Jesus is, is who we're to be. Can I tell you, if you make your life about encouragement, you'll make a huge difference in the life of others. There's a lady I met several years ago, and, and I, I'm going to her. Her name's Miss Lottie Wade. She's a member at the Germantown Church of Christ, Germantown, Tennessee. She began teaching at Shady Grove Elementary School in Memphis in 1963, and after she retired, she just never quit going to school. She became a volunteer there, so she was still volunteering at age 90. 
And she taught kindergarten and first grade for years and years and years. And so upon her retirement, her 90th birthday, which they didn't retire her, she can come back anytime she wants, they decided to have a big party for her. It's pretty awesome. She had no clue. She showed up. She lives in, a, I believe, an assisted living place there, and, and, but then comes each day and goes through, and you see she's overwhelmed by emotions, and she's up there, and the kids share and sing, and she just claps right along. She's excited to be there. Why? Because she's made a life, made a difference in the life of others. I love, said, so Wade is known uh, most for her showing of affection and hugs. Children in this elementary school, there's some that really struggle, but you know what? Every day she's going to hug them. Every day she's going to put her hand on their back. She's going to let them know that somebody loves them in the way that they should be loved, and she's going to be an encourager. That is who that she is. I love this. Uh, they interviewed her for the commercial appeal there in, in Memphis, and uh, they talked about the hugging. And they said that they got a letter from the school board telling her, saying you don't need to do this. I love this. So they told us from the Board of Education we're not supposed to touch the children that much. But I haven't stopped, she said. I'm sorry, they may fire me, but they can't fire me now, can they? When you're 90, what are you going to do? I mean, this man here, the, the one in, in glasses and the dark hair, they interviewed him. I found it interesting. He said that, when he was in kindergarten, they said that he would have a hard time making it through high school. I don't know who makes that decision. You can't cut straight enough. You can't stay on your mat during nap time like we used to have those. I don't know who makes that decision. But the teachers and whoever in, in place had already decided that there was something about him and he would never, ever be successful. So they were trying to find a different path to him through school. Well, it just happened that the next year, his parents didn't go for this. He got Miss Lottie Wade as a teacher. This is what he said in his interview. When I was admitted to Harvard, I tracked her down because it was her in first grade that helped me know I could learn and I was worthy and I was worth it. See, Miss Lottie, is a, she's a child of God and she was a light at at the school where she was. See, at her 90th birthday party, 400 people showed up. I know people who are 90 that they, uh, they talk about all their friends are gone. I got tickled at one man, talked about, he said, I'm not, he said, I'm so old, there's people in heaven that think I'm not going to make it. How do you get 400 people to show up at your 90th birthday party? You encourage people your whole life. That's how you do that. She has chosen to be a ladder. Say, so what if we heard this sermon today and we said, wow, that's really neat. We should be a light, a lifeboat, and a ladder. That's really good. We close our Bibles. We go out of here and go about business as usual. Can I tell you what will happen? People will die and go to hell without the gospel. But if we leave today and we decide and we know and we accept the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors and today we decide to be light, we decide to be that lifeboat. We decide to be that ladder. Can I tell you, we can make a difference into eternity. See, if we stay here, it's all for, for nothing. But if we, if we leave here and we start making a difference in the lives of others, we start seeing a difference that, that, that can only be measured by God. 
This morning, will you decide to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth? I pray you will. I'm so thankful that God saw fit to put a church family together. But then through us, we have been called to make a difference in this world. This morning, do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to become a child of God? Maybe somebody has been a light to you and a lifeboat to you, and today you want to be baptized for mission of your sins. Today we want to do that. Or today say, hey, you know what? I haven't been a good ambassador. I want to start over, and I want this church family to pray for me. We would love to do that. If we can help you in your walk, would you come now while we stand?